Welcome to the Teens Talk podcast created by the Student Virtual Board of You Celebrate Diversity. You Celebrate Diversity supports students and teachers organizing locally, educating themselves and their peers, and taking action for inclusion and social justice. For more information, visit ycdiversity.org. Welcome back to season two, which is all about community building. Today, I'm joined with Wafa Saeed, and we'll be talking about community across the diaspora. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Teens Talk. This season is based on community building. Um, community is the backbone of culture. The right community provides you with much needed love and support. Everyone needs community, and it can look different all over the world. The important thing is building a community with the right intention, as well as understanding the possible obstacles you could face. Join with me here is Wafa Saeed. Um, I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, everyone. My name is Wafa Saeed. I am Sudanese-American. Very proud Sudanese American. I have lived in Colorado my whole life. We came here when I was three. Um, graduated from the University of Denver. I have my master's in biochem. Um, and I have been com- a community leader and doing kind of community um, community work for about, oh my God, I'm aging myself, but almost 12, 15 years now. Um, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so Wafa actually is a family friend of mine. Um, she, like she said, she's been doing community work for um, a while now, ever since I've been growing up in um, Colorado my entire life. So a lot of what I've learned is definitely from her, which is why I really wanted you to be on here because I thought it'd be really beneficial to any of the like students um, or any people that want to hear this kind of message you know, listen to. So um, with that starting, I wanted to talk about basically the theme or I guess topic for this episode is community building within diasporas. And for anybody who doesn't know what a diaspora is, um, there's, you know, for me, the way I like to kind of break it down is it's kind of just more like your home away from home. Like it's your community that um, you guys have a shared like motherland, a shared second culture or first culture, depending on whatever your situation is. But you guys all like collect and organize together in a second um, location. So for me, that would be like the diaspora here would be like the Sudanese American community in Colorado. Um, that would be like my home away from home because my home, even though I wasn't born in Sudan, I still like visit enough and have family and like a like a life there. So um, that's how I would describe it. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to focus on community building and diasporas because a lot of the time people really focus on local communities and they just kind of focus on like um, efforts you can do within your own, you know, um, kind of, let's just say district or, you know, city, maybe even state if you want, but um, they kind of like give up when it comes to issues that might be more national or international, but there's still efforts you can do and ways to help. Um, and I don't, I want this to be something to encourage people to look for those kind of routes. So with that starting, um, I wanted you to start off with just your community kind of ex- leader experience being a community leader, um, specifically within the Sudanese community. Um, or any community you want to like talk about really um, mm-hmm. and just maybe like we could start off with some main struggles you face um, that you want to like have kind of be known when people listen to this um well for me when I started um, it was more because of the fact that I we were kind of one of the first families to to be here in Colorado so it was mean about four other families and we were all the oldest girls in the family so a lot of the, ex- the American experiences we were the guinea pigs for. Um, and there wasn't anyone for us to go to in regards to, um, you know, how, how do we fill out college applications? How do we, how do we apply for FAFSA? How do we get scholarships? Um, <clears throat> and so 
it was hard to navigate the American lifestyle outside of your front door and navigate your Sudani lifestyle inside your front door or, you know, as you enter your house. And so it always felt like we were, we were, we, we had to be two different people and we weren't enough inside and we weren't enough on, on outside of the house. And so um, being the oldest of four, I didn't want my siblings to go through that. But then also looking at it from a community perspective, we had a lot of aunts and uncles, you know, we call them aunts and uncles or other families that would come to us with their concerns about their kids and can you help them do this? How did you do this? How did you navigate that? And so, you know, that was our, our kind of introduction to community support and community gathering. Um, and from there, we started the um, student group, the Sudanese American student group, where we wanted to kind of help students get into college and navigate that life, but also just be that older friend, that older person you can go to that understands it. Um, like the life that we live growing up here is very different from the life that our parents live, you know, being immigrants here. So, um, and that the, there is a bridge between um, immigrants and for us, um, being from Africa, I think, and, you know, being Black, we resonate more with the African-American community, so we were able to build that bridge, whereas our parents seem to be just on an island on their own. They don't really have anyone to relate to because they're they're so set in their ways, um, but we were able to have allies, and we were able to grow that. We, we were able to learn from them and then come learn, uh, teach our community, so um, for me, it was more of how do I give back? How am I able to support not just my siblings, but others in the community? And it, it kind of went from there. <laughs> yeah, I think the what you talked about was like really, really relatable. Um, I think for me being the youngest, it was way more helpful having like, cause my oldest brother was like, you guys basically, like these are the, the kids, like my oldest brother also immigrated, you know, and that's when he had to bridge the gap between like my parents and American culture. And like, we also needed help. So it was really like all the oldest siblings just carried our families. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I definitely, and we even like talk a little bit about that in the podcast with like mental health. That's a whole other thing. So that's but, a whole different thing. Yeah. And so a whole different thing. Right. And so, but basically just that, um, those struggles you brought up, like, I would want to like, I guess, ask, like, besides just, you know, the kind of cultural and generational aspect of it, were there ever kind of like specific kind of, um, barriers or obstacles that kind of came to mind when like trying to, let's say, organize or when trying to, um, uh, fund or, you know, trying to just do like different ways to help the community, um, whether it's a specific event or like a cause or whatever, where they're like specific, you know, you don't have to say like people, but like kinds of people or just, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it was more of um, even through the student organization that we had kind of, um, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that we celebrated our wins. So whenever we did um, I remember we did a lot of um, graduation events where we wanted to celebrate all the kids who graduated that year. And um, the funding for it was difficult because it was one, we were funding from our community. And yes, those are, you know, kids within our community. But it was, we were looking at it from an American lens of yes, let's all celebrate each other. Let's all come together. 
Whereas, you know, back home, it's you sell, everyone kind of celebrates their, their graduate on their own. Um, and, you know, fundraising in itself is not something that our community does in that sense where, you know, you're asking for money for a, for an event. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, culturally it's considered wrong um, to ask adults for money, you know? So we, we had to let kind of have them understand that this is, this is fundraising for an event for the community and what we were going to do with it for it to become a norm for us to, to do. Um, so we had struggles with that. On the other hand, we had struggles with, um, you know, uh, the, the people who were putting on the event, it was, it was girls and boys working together. And culturally, it's like, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? And religiously, it's like, you guys are too young to be in meetings by yourself. And all of that. So it was more of kind of having them understand that our understanding of things is a lot different than theirs. Um, and that what we were doing was not just, you know, we're not just having a meeting just to meet up. It was a meeting that we actually did want to give back. Um, and I think the fact that it was so successful in regards to the, the things that we were doing in meetings and, and the results that they were seeing with the events, and even with their own kids, you know, coming home and things that we would talk about in meetings and they would come and talk to their parents about, they saw that it was actually helping and then they, they were on board about it. Um, <clears throat> I think you were, you were at one, the event that we had at the library where we brought the youth together and we were talking about kind of the peer pressure of growing up in America and what, what that meant for you all, um, especially being in elementary and being in um, elementary, middle school and high school. And, um, kind of just talking about what racism is and just topics that our parents usually wouldn't talk about and what that would mean. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm laughing because a single tear rolled and oh, I'm trying to just not be um, obvious about coughing, but it came out of nowhere and I can't stop. Okay, all right, cough, cough, we'll, we'll redo this. <laughs> I'm so sorry, girl. You're fine, you're fine. No, I know exactly, I just need you to- Slow down, you're nervous. Yeah. Slow down. <laughs> Okay, I'm good. Cough. Fine. It's a conversation. People can cough in a conversation. <laughs> do, do I what? Huh? Do, do I what? I said people cough in a conversation. True. You're fine. <laughs> it, was just, it was so intense. But no. <laughs> yeah, no. If you could, here, I'm going to go back on mute. But if you could just start from that last part you were talking about with um, just like the event with the library and about talking about like our place in um, American culture and all that when, yeah. Uh, so I think you were at the event that we had at the library. This was a few years back. You know, we wanted to bring the youth together to talk about, you know, what what it means for us to grow up in America, you know, and our 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 identity crisis and and racism and what what all that means for us. Um, and these were conversations that we knew we couldn't have with our parents. So we wanted to create that space for for you guys to to come and be able to talk to us and, you know, hear the experiences that we had and for us to hear the experiences that you had, but have it just be a place of learning um, and kind of co-creating a space of, of, of healing, you know what I mean? Um, and, and the parents saw that and they saw, you know, that it, a lot of parents came up to us and said, you know, this, this has helped my child in this way, or you guys have helped me 
you know, understand something in this way, or um, I'm able to talk to my child and understand better what they're going through. And even though we weren't trained in this, this was just a conversation, um, I think it, it led to opening up a, a lot of trust within the community. Um, and that kind of helped shape a lot of the relationships that we have, not only with each other, but even with the, the way that the parents view the younger generation. No, I like that you already started talking about like the benefits of like what um, comes with, you know, taking some of those risks, even with those struggles, because mm -hmm. I also remember that and that was something, you know, it's a very, very stigmatized, very taboo to talk about mental health, for example. So yeah. the fact that this was such a like a dire, you know, conversation is such a like need to have um, the fact that like we were able to, you know, at least have that with each other, even if our parents weren't really like supportive of that, I thought was really beneficial. And I think, like you said, it opened people's minds up a bit more. And yeah, like that, I was actually gonna bring that up. I was like, you have to kind of like, you know, foster some like trust within each other because that's the only way you're gonna get things done. So I was gonna, you know, like ask from those things that you talked about, you talked about like benefits for the community, but like how are some ways you personally grew from like um, being able to be a community leader and like being like, the, like, I guess, be able to be in a position to help organize so many like different like moving parts of like making a community work. Um, personally, I was, I meant by nature, I'm an introvert, <laughs> hard to believe, but yes. Um, but it, it made me realize that I, I had something to offer and, um, there were people that were willing to listen and there were people that were, that were needing my help or needing the experiences that I had, um, but didn't necessarily know how to ask or, you know, approach it or even, um, be able to say like I'm struggling in this way or I'm I'm needing something in this way and not realizing that there there have been other people that have gone through the same thing um, so I didn't want to kind of hold my knowledge I wanted to be able to provide the opportunity to to get out of my own bubble or get out of my own comfort zone and and be that that support or that comfort to someone else. Um, and like I said, being the, the oldest of four, um, I always take on the mom role. And so for me, seeing all of you guys and all the younger generation after me was more of, you know, our parents aren't great. Our parents are wonderful, but there are just certain things that I know that I struggled with that I wish I had someone to help me with. And now I can be that person to someone else. Um, so that definitely helped me in making sure that I was, I was comfortable in knowing that someone that I knew or someone in my community didn't have to go through something alone, um, because I did. Thank you. Yeah, I totally, I think that, that that's also part of like what I started to feel like we're trying to like volunteer a bit more and like help like here and there because like I definitely feel like I wanted to be connected to my community more and I didn't think that it just had to be just culture but in like actually like like mm -hmm. working together towards a, any kind of goal regardless, regardless of what that looks like. But um, I was also going to ask you like um, so I want to kind of like focus a little bit more on also like the diaspora aspect of it. Like for you, have you ever had the opportunity to um, be able to kind of work with kind of other communities internationally, like maybe other Sudanese communities, whether they're in Sudan or just other countries in the world? Um, and if so, like in what situations, like did, you know, did you, were you able to kind of like have that? 
Um, so I think, um, I think after college, uh, or actually in college, I was able to connect a lot more with um, people that were in different states that were kind of in a similar place that I was like, you know, first in the family or first in their community to go to college. And uh, we were able to connect on that level and grow a community that way. And that's when the Sudanese Worldwide Movement came about. I just had this idea to create a hashtag when hashtags were a thing. And, um, you know, any post that we put about Sudan or any post that we put about our community to use that hashtag so we know who is out there through social media. So that was like one of our, um, that was like, you know, it went national and then went global. Um, but it was <clears throat> a way for all of us to connect to each other through social media. So social media played a huge part in that. Um, so we were able to meet uh, Sudanese people or Sudanese people my age from different states and, you know, go visit them or have them come visit us and, you know, grow our community that way. Um, and then when when things started happening in Sudan, it was, okay, well, now how do we connect with people in Sudan? You know, we don't want to lose our, our connection to our country. Um, so, you know, when with, with the hashtag, we started reaching out to people in Sudan and connecting with them. And anytime, you know, someone from here, you know, we, we had a group chat and whoever was going to Sudan, we always try to go like 10, 20 from here or from Canada or from wherever to Sudan and connect with people in Sudan. Um, I actually helped my friend in Sudan co-create a organization called a Sudanian mentoring. And what it is, is that we offer um, anyone who is uh, a professional or a college student here in America or in the UK or Canada um, or anywhere globally that's not in Sudan, we come together and offer mentoring to girls in Sudan in regards to what we have done um, in our life and our careers and our education. What have we learned from being outside of Sudan? You kind of just be a voice for them, like, you know, to look at things a different way to be able to experience things a different way. Um, and that has that went from our first year, we had uh, 10 mentors and about 12 mentees to now over 300 mentors and three or over 400 mentees. Um, and that's in Sudan ranging from middle school, high school and college. So we were able to co-create that um, organization and it has been wonderful since. Um, Let's see. And then, um, you know, when when things in 2019 with the revolution, that kind of brought the Sudanese diaspora closer together. Um, we started kind of creating WhatsApp groups and organizing ourselves and kind of creating work groups in regards to what are we wanting out of this? How are we able as a community here, as a diaspora here in all 50 states, be able to support our families back home? Um, so we brought back the hashtag, the Sudanese worldwide hashtag. We were able to connect with celebrities. We were able to connect with congressmen. We were able to connect with senators. We were able to connect with um, um, Wyclef who created a song for Sudan. And it became, you know, the blue, blue for Sudan movement that was global. You know what I mean? And it was, it was all done through just the organizing of all of us from different states coming together and saying, what is it that we can do to make sure that our people in Sudan are heard? No, that's that's the thing that I think is like one of the most impressive about Sudanese people in general, even if it's not like 
like even like regardless of I guess where they're from is just like the organizing I think is just always like very solid like I've just seen that so much can get done look whether you think of it locally or you know uh statewide nationally internationally whatever like the groups that do get together get things done and I think um the fact that you were able to come with that many people just like you know goes to show that a lot of people I feel like have this idea that like well, this isn't going to do anything. Like, it's out of my hands. And the thing is, that's the whole, that's what they want you to think, though, is that, like, I, I can understand, I think, in certain situations, and that's actually what I want you to answer. I want you to, like, tell me how, what in your experience. But, like, I've always believed in certain situations, like, you definitely, in certain ways of uh, how you use social media, it could definitely be, like, useless. But there's also other ways that are very, very um, strategic and useful and have, like, gotten a lot done. So do you think you could just touch a little bit on, like, um, some of your experience like using social media or any kind of networking or outreach um, and like some of the best ways that you've seen like um, be the most productive and get the most done? Yeah, um, social media has been a lifesaver for <clears throat> for community planning and community organizing for me at least um, because there are so many of us that are in different states and we, you know, each community is different. So the community in Colorado might be more active than the community in another state or vice versa. So being able to connect with people that have similar minds and that are doing the same work and say, okay, what has worked for you that I can kind of adopt and what has, what has worked for me that I can, you know, um, lean on and give to you and have you be able to, to work for your community um, <clears throat> has really helped us in um, kind of just coming together and letting people know that we're not the only ones doing this work, but also letting our communities know that, hey, they, there are other people out there. They, they're thinking the same thing you are, but this is what we can do in, in order to show that there is power in numbers. Um, and I think a, a perfect example for that is, um, again, in 2019 with the revolution for SAPA, for example, um, even though SAPA was known on a national scale, um, when I started the chapter here in Denver and I was the CEO for it, it was reaching out to different communities and saying, hey, this is what we're doing. How can we get your community on board? Um, and in six months, we were able to create four programs we were able to have one of the largest convenings that we've ever had for the organization. I think it was about seven, 1,700 people that attended. Um, and this was all this was all done through organizing, through what we did here in, in Denver and through the community here and with, with you all. But it was also having other people from different states get involved or bringing them to the convening and, you know, having them be, be a presenter or be something so that their community was able to come support them. Um, and from that conference, we were able to, uh, there was a documentary that was done about the work that, that was done at the convening that's streaming now on PBS. Um, and from that, we were able to actually uh, hold a, um, a protest in DC for what was happening in Sudan. And it took, there was about probably 20 of us coordinating from different states but we were able to have 7,000 people come out to that protest from all over America. Um, so that just goes to show that there are power in numbers and, the way, and when you use social media to kind of connect each other and realize that you know each person can hold, hold some part of the work, it, it can benefit you. And I mean, you're always going to have those that say, you know, this doesn't work, protesting doesn't work, 
Um, but America was born on, America was built on protesting. You know what I mean? It, it may be the first step. It may be the second step. It may be the third step. But being consistent and realizing that you have people who do want to do something and bringing them together is what's going to make a difference. Whether you're protesting one day and sitting with Congress another day or protesting for a couple of months, it, it will have a, an effect. No, that was, thank you. I really, that's the thing that I think is just so, um, I think frustrating about trying to be somebody who's like, who wants to make change regardless if that's going to be what they go into as their career because everybody just like looks at you crazy and like everybody thinks you're a liberal snowflake or whatever and so you know it's definitely frustrating um but um like moving into I guess right now for example if you don't mind actually do you think before we get into like you know more into these questions I, I was wondering if you could actually just give some background context to like what's going on in Sudan currently um because I think this would really help people understand why so much effort goes into um, and why we have to do things certain ways because of just how dire the situation is and why this should like kind of like I guess this kind of um uh inspire other diasporas to do the same if they see the same thing happening in their own country yeah, for sure. Um, so since the revolution in 2019, um, they there was an agreement between the military and the militia to kind of come together and and try to build on you know this this uh, political agreement that they would let eventually the civilians kind of you know take control of the country and and build towards democracy. Um, and on April 15th, the militia went on one side and the military went on one side and they're basically fighting each other. So um, this has no civilian um, <clears throat> interaction at all. The civilians are not involved in this. This is 100% the military and the militia that are, um, that are fighting each other for power. Um, and it has caused many Sudanese families to abandon their homes um, and be able to try and seek refugee in bordering countries. Um, there has there has been um, <clears throat> water shortages. There has been food for, for, uh, shortages. And because of all of this, of course, there is a shortage on medicine. So there's a lot of people that could have been saved just by you know receiving their medication um, that that we've lost. Um, there are families that during their their flee to to seek refugee have been killed in the process. Um, there are families that have lost their homes that either the military or the militia have taken over, um, and it's it's fueled by other countries like Russia that are. Um, that are giving the the military or the uh, the militia the the fighting jets or the the ammunition. <clears throat> so it's really a power play, um, and it's it's caused four hundred thousand people to become refugees overnight, um, and God knows how many more have died. Um, but it's really important to know that this is this is not a a civil war that civilians are involved in. This is a war between two individuals who are seeking to gain power of the country. Thank you, yeah. I think um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people, like like I talk to at least who aren't Sudani, um, <clears throat> they like oftentimes will just know that Sudan is just unstable um, or that Sudan is just like going through something because there's just honestly too many conflicts to choose from. But um, 
I I really do wish that like like this this focus of the episode won't be on the Sudan conflict, but I do want to just kind of highlight war in general because this is something a lot of the things you see happening in Sudan have already happened all over the world and are going to continue to happen and are are, are like currently happening, and um, <clears throat> it's important to talk about like community building during a time like this because there are so many people like for example I actually for example know some some like girls that have been raped right like systematically raped by um soldiers or by um officers because uh that's kind of something that happens when you like during war it's like it's it's like a tactic used to torture people you know and they are so focused on evacuating and leaving that like by the time they've already done that they're just not even like they don't even know what to think and the thing is because of the kind of culture um in general i think that you know in this kind of society in this time period in life right now is still like kind of like i guess working through is just that you're still shamed and shunned for being assaulted and so you need community you need people that can empathize with you and help you and um remind you that none of this was your fault and so i wanted to ask like how do you um kind of focus on like fostering more trust in community during times like this where it's not just like like, you know, um, efforts and organizing all the time, but also like healing together. Like what does healing look like in a community, um, both locally and then also like across the diaspora? Um, <clears throat> I, that's a really good question, by the way. <laughs> um, honestly, I, I think, you know, since, we, and we mentioned this earlier, mental health in our in our community is, is very taboo um, and, and, I've noticed, you know, in, in times of war, in times of combat, where, where, you know, we've experienced in Sudan the last four years, people are so focused on, on, you know, the people dying and the people are hungry and the people are escaping. They're not, they're not realizing that what comes with war is rape. And, you know, the, the girls, unfortunately, are not talking about it. And it's not being as, as, um, kind of mainstream as everything else as it needs to me because of that fear. Um, but I think for me, healing is is having the courage to bring it up as much as you can so that you make healing more, um, you make healing normal. You normalize healing. You normalize the fact that this is something that is happening this is something that is happening to our girls. This is something that is happening to our women. And we need to have a conversation about it. Just sweeping it under the rug is not going to do that. And, and trying to blindly um, move, in this, move in this situation or try to talk about the war without talking about it is not going to do that. Um, so locally, I think as a community, we, we need to address it and we need to talk about it. Um, and on a global scale, what we're doing right now is we are holding kind of like healing circles. Um, I, and it's on Zoom. I know it, it can be a lot, but just having a space to to talk about it and and hear stories or, you know, um, just understand what people are going through. We're holding so much. You know what I mean? I mean, even for me, like I find myself feeling guilty at times going to Starbucks or going to get something to eat and, and having all of that in the back of my head and just lifting up my phone every five minutes to see what's going on. Um, but just having that space to be able to, to discuss all of this, to be able to, to speak it and, and let it out of you is needed for us. Um, and so we offer that space 
not only for the, the diaspora here in America, but it is global. So we do it on different time, time zones so that people are able to come in and just release, you know? Um, and it, <clears throat> it's up to you whether you wanna be on camera or not. It, it allows for that, for that comfort. Um, but we also provide opportunities for people who are in the field of, um, uh, who are therapists and who are psychiatrists to come in and be able to provide that opportunity for them to, to just have that opportunity to, to be there and be that, that support for them. No, I'm so glad you brought up definitely, those. It definitely makes a process. Mm -hmm. uh, it definitely allows for, for that opportunity for them to, to kind of just have that, that support. Yeah, no, I honestly, I was going to say that, um, like, that, I like to brought up the healing circle, because I actually also noticed that. And that was just kind of people having conversations. Like, I know, I don't know about you, but like, my parents, they stay on chat rooms, like on, on those like Facebook or any kind of other social media platform where they're just talking to Sudan people like that just join the chat rooms or across the world. And they all just kind of like, talk together about how they've been feeling and like they might strategize together they might do whatever but it's really really beneficial for them at least until it of course becomes like too much but that that's what they but yeah, um, I see it also for the older community you know what I mean like our like our parents you know what I mean their whole life has become just on whatsapp and what what they're seeing but they need an opportunity to be able to release that and you know be able to to have have those conversations no, exactly. Like that's, I think that's why, um, you know, I think even for me, like me, I had like a lot of friends and, um, just like, you know, family that like, we, like, I guess American, like Sudanese Americans, um, we just kind of had also a really weird time processing certain things because for me, I felt very, um, guilty for even feeling bad <laughs> about the situation because I'm not living it you know what I mean like I felt very it felt performative it felt like um just kind of fake to try to like adopt a struggle I didn't have but I genuinely just kind of at some point felt very um uh just I felt you know I hurt like about everything going on you know all my entire family lives there I I don't really have much family that lives um outside of there um and I also had a lot of friends that were still there so I had to just figure that out and it was a scary time and I remember just breaking down and like talking with other friends that felt the exact same way and that's when I knew like having a community that's specifically Sudani American is also really important like just being able to to like make spaces and groups with people that can kind of at least um complete different parts of your identity not complete but um add on to different parts of your identity I think is a really good outlet but um with that I think that also goes back to like why why I wanted to to kind of do this um, or or be in in this space of work is because you know you it, it's growing up in America everyone is from somewhere right everyone has some sort of background everyone has some sort of story um, but it's it's great to connect with all those different people and and learn from each other and you know have all these similarities and differences. Um, because it, it allows you to to grow as a person, right? Um, but it's also, you know, comforting to know that I, I'm not dealing or I'm not struggling or I'm not facing certain things alone. And I have this community here in Colorado that it's someone who, who speaks the same language. It's someone who eats the same food. It's someone who has the same pronunciation of my name. It's someone who, you know, I can say something 
um, that's related to the country or to the culture and they'll understand it outside of just my house, outside of just my, 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 my family, you know what I mean? Um, and to have that community not only helps you to be stronger and to, to fully grasp who you are, but it also makes you proud in knowing that I, I'm not the only one. I'm, I'm not the only one that, you know, is different and different, you know, being different is, is sometimes to other people, you know, difficult, but it's, it's, it can be seen as something that, you know, people bully you for, right? Um, kids can be cruel. And um, when you have someone who, who you know, you can relate to in, in those different ways, it, it, it brings that sense of calmness. You know what I mean? That, you're, you're not as different as you think. There are people there that are like you that are going through the same thing you are. And you're able to, to call that a family or call that a community. Um, so I think for me, it was more of, I, I didn't have that. I didn't have someone that I can go and say, hey, I don't know what a FAFSA is. And I feel like if I said that in school, I would be looked at as, well, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? But to, to for, for example, with, with you, when you came to me and said, hey, can you help me with writing a reference letter or, or something? It was, there wasn't that need of, oh, I don't know what this is, or I feel weird asking. It was just as someone who knows or went through it and is able to support me. No, I'm really glad you brought that up because like networking is a big part of community building and being a part of a community. Like networking, it doesn't have to sound so like, you know, right. busy. <laughs> like it's genuinely just making connections for like, oh. whatever you need to make connections for. And, my, you know, our parents taught us that literally our entire lives. Like literally there's never been a time in my life where my mom is like, where I, I, my mom can be like, you have no options. She's always like, there, there's somebody in this community that we know that you can ask about and like you can help that can help you with this. Like there's somebody like, and so like, that's why it's nice because um it's just like, you know, I don't want to like get into a whole rabbit hole about like collectivist cultures or anything, but I just want to say one thing, I guess I, I will say as a benefit to that is that you do have a community mindset and it's a group mentality, which of course can have its cons, but focusing on the benefits of it, like um, it's nice because you're just focusing on what will um, benefit everybody instead of just, you know, how to get ahead all the time. Like this way- yeah you benefit this person, they they help you out, you guys help each other out consistently throughout life, like, I grew up with people that have been helping me out since, like, middle school papers, you know what I mean, like, and we're still helping each other out, like, I have exactly. friends in different colleges, and they're like, can you look this over, like, it's, it's just something we've gotten used to, because we just don't feel embarrassed anymore to have to feel like the smartest person in the room, it doesn't really, that's actually, the, honestly, like, the least beneficial thing you could do and mm -hmm. so um in talking about that though I remember early you, you brought up like having you know difficult conversations as, as part of a way like raising awareness is part of a way to like kind of help with some of these struggles that in that specific you know situation was like girls but um in general I know you know just like growing up with you two in the community we've had a lot of different like Q and A's and like listening and conversation sessions and I want to talk a bit about that like I wanted to ask you before we get into any like other aspects of it first of all like what was it like trying to sell people on like having like coming and participating in that whether they're speaking or asking the questions like at first how did you like kind of sell that idea because I know like one thing about society parents is they're very stubborn too so <laughs> you know there's that but um so is this specifically the the last event that we had or just in general just in general like over the years uh oh so what I've learned <laughs> um yes Sudani parents are actually 
immigrant parents in general are very stubborn. Um, and I think for me, it was really, um, it was going to the youth first, going to the people that I know that, you know, going to, to the people that I know had my experiences um, and saying, hey, um, like for example, in regards to the, the meeting we had at the library, it was more of, um, you know, I, I think it was, it was during a situation that happened um, uh, at a school, there was a school shooting um, and one of the Sudani kids was at that school. And so um, for me, it was, if I was in that situation, I would have been terrified. You know, I, I would have been absolutely terrified. So I know that person would be, is terrified right now and probably doesn't have someone to, to lean on or, um, you know, be able to, to express his feelings to his family the way that, you know, the way that they can express to someone who, who has gone through the American system as an immigrant. Um, so the route that I took was just going to the youth and the people who understood the situation and saying, hey, why don't we sit down and talk about this? Why, why don't we, why don't we have, you know, just a discussion to see how, a check-in, just to, to see how people are feeling. Um, and we did that. And, and the parents saw that that helped the kids. So they, they came back and said, hey, can you, can you hold more of these conversations? Um, so I think them seeing that this is something that's helping their children, um, they're on board 100%. Um, another one was, you know, even with SAPA and creating a whole organization for the community, this was something that was completely brand new. You know, having the youth come in every other week was, um, you know, for the parents, like, oh my God, they have school, they have this. It's like, yeah, they absolutely do. And we respect, we respect their time. But at the same time, this is helping them in regards to things that they are not getting in school. They are not getting life lessons or life experiences that I had or that, you know, whoever else was uh, speaking at the time that they had that would benefit them because they're going to experience this the same way that I did. Um, or that they're not going to have spaces to talk about what type of personality they have, their 16 traits and personality, or, um, you know, how to deal with people in the workspace. And, you know, those conversations don't happen in school. Those conversations aren't a conversation that you can have with, with American friends because your experiences are going to be different. Um, and so I think when they started to realize that you know, we're, we're doing things a little bit differently and we're actually catering to the immigrants in us rather than just catering to, to the American in us. Um, they were able to accept it and they were able to, to want to be a part of it. Um, <clears throat> and then that's how we were able to get the, the parents on board. No, I, I really um, appreciate the breakdown because honestly, it's something that I think like people think it like you like you explained all of that and it's not easy at all. <laughs> like it takes a lot of like, you know, effort really. And just um, you got to really be intentional with like your timing and what you say. You got to sell them on it, honestly. So mm -hmm. one question I had was like, was there ever a time when like, let's say it doesn't really matter if it was youth or not, but just anybody who was having those questions, let's say like answering the questions, I mean. 
um, did they ever feel that there was ever a moment for them personally where it kind of backfired for them, where they were trying to be open and honest and, you know, just like be honest about like what the situation is or how they feel about a certain topic, whatever. And then um, they felt like they couldn't come forward anymore because after that they were still um, kind of, I guess, what's the word? Uh, not um, really inspired anymore to speak up for themselves. Um, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is just like, do you feel like sometimes, you know, we'll have the right idea and like the youth will try to go and like, you know, get their point across and all of that. And then, but then the disconnect is just so big that like, sometimes you just kind of like, you'll have, it's like hit or miss. Like you'll just have sometimes where you fail and the conversation just goes nowhere. Um, and if oh, so, yeah. how do you like, how do you deal with that? How do you come back from that? Because I know that was like discourage. That's the word I'm looking for. Discourage a lot of people. <laughs> um, I, I guess, yes, to answer your question. Yes, absolutely. Um, but for for me, what keeps me what keeps me coming back is just knowing that um, sometimes it's it's more than just you know having me as someone they can go to, but just you know letting them know that there there's others that they can connect with if they don't connect with me. Um, but also, I don't always have the right answer, right? Like I'm I'm not gonna know everything. I don't know everything. Um, but leaning on those that I do know that I can go to and letting them be a resource as well. Um, and, you know, like ge each generation is different, right? Each generation is going to have uh, their struggles or their questions that sometimes the older generation or my generation may not know. But being able to say like, hey, you might want to connect with so-and-so who's closer in their age group, but to build that trust, there has to be that that trust within you know your circle or your your group of people that you know you can go to and let let the people that are older or the people that aren't in that generation just be an advisor or just be as a you know that someone that can connect you to who who you can be able to speak with um that's what keeps me going um because I know it's hard I know it's hard for it was hard for me to express how I felt because I didn't have anyone. So I was expressing it to people who were younger than me, but it was, it was easy for me to do that because I wanted the help. And when, when you're able to come and be able to express yourself, that's a sign of you wanting help, right? So if it backfires in some way, it's, it's, it's on us to make sure that you're, you're still able to be heard and you're still able to get the help that you need, um, but not to, not to push you out in any type of way. You know, everyone struggles differently and we, we need to understand that and just be able to provide that space for, for people to, to trust in that it is a work in progress. No, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's like essentially what it is at the end of the day is just to have at least this, the option, the space to have it. And that's, I'm glad you like brought up that like, you don't have all the answers because I think some people, which is like what I'm trying to get people to understand is like, like they'll have maybe a rough experience, whether it was in school or a club or whatever, right? Um, and it's totally valid, like whatever the experience might be, but then they just kind of give up on com like community in general, you know what I mean? Like, um, and I can understand, like some of it definitely comes from trauma. Like even me personally, there were times where I really got frustrated with like not being able to be heard or not being able to just like live my life the way I want to with respect to how people live their life. You know, like I don't wanna have to feel like I need to defend every decision I make all the time. But however, I still didn't think that that meant that for me, 
Um, I needed to just cut off every Sudani person I know, you know what I mean? Like that was just not something I wanted for myself at all, because these are still people um, I like grew with, you know? So for me, I think, like you said, like you don't know how all the answers and I don't think people should believe in kind of like a hierarchy system where there's always one person, because that's putting way too much pressure on that person, one. And then two, it's, it's not really realistic because, you know, like the more the merrier like the the, the more yeah. brains in a situation like the better the better the outcome like just having different kinds of personalities in this space helps with finding somebody that might understand you better than this other person and they can benefit you in so many ways but um with that with that all being said I wanted to just kind of also go back to a little bit about and if you feel like let me know for sure if you definitely um can't like really answer that the specifics of it since sometimes organizing doesn't mean you like you know you know the logistics of every aspect of it but I was wondering if you knew a little bit about how funding worked when dis- it came to dispersing aid like directly to Sudan for example like that's an example I'm going to use um just because um what's it called just because I want to understand just how like organizing how far it goes so um and also I'm going to edit this part out we'll wrap up okay how what time do you have to leave exactly uh, they call me like three times so Okay, okay. Let's wrap up in like one last question. That's okay with you. Okay, okay. I'm gonna just start from here. Yeah. So basically, how does um dispersing aid directly to let's say like Sudan, for example, work? Like, how do you get the people together? How do you who do you send it to? Who's like or like you know in charge of this and that? Like, how does it work basically? Um. So like I said, like for us, it was you know just creating those connections through the hashtag Sudan Worldwide and building those relationships. Um, not just with the diaspora, but people in Sudan. And, you know, when we went to meet them and, you know, we we met a lot of people who were in organization work or had nonprofits that they were doing. Um, so it made it easier for us to, to know that we had people on the ground um, that we can go to or that we can um, be able to support when needed. Um, so anytime that money is collected here in regard, you know, from different communities or um, through fundraising needs, we we send it to those people that we know or those organizations that we know that will do the work. Um, and then to kind of just, you know, make sure that it's being done. They'll send videos, they'll send us, you know, pictures of what's uh, what has been done or pictures of the things that they bought or things that they're giving to people um, just to to show like the work is being done. Um, so that has helped in many ways as well. Okay, so I, I know you have to go, but thank you so much for sitting down with me and being able to have this conversation. I think you we were able to touch on a lot of different things that I, I really hope people can like take away as learning experience. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I'm excited to continue to work with you. Thank you. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, <laughs> um, I'm gonna let you go, but um, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Yes. Okay. Bye.